0: One day, in whispering in my quiet time—not audibly, but in my heart—that humility and boldness are the sweetest of twins. Yeah, and that stuck to me, uh, or stuck with me. Um, that Jesus had both. He had humility and boldness. But it was because he was busy with his Father's business, and that was—that uh, was kind of my takeaway. God says, as long as you remain busy with my things, and my glory, I want you to be bold. This is not your story. It's not your message. It's mine and I want you to be more. This is the Spirit
1: Truth Podcast. Conversations to equip worship teams and songwriters. Hi everyone and welcome to the Spirit Truth Podcast. My name is James and I am your host and my heart with this podcast is to introduce you to some of the amazing people that I've had the privilege to, to meet and to journey with and to worship with over the years and I've got Ratif burger here with me today. What a privilege! James, what a joy!
0: It's lekker. It.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the poor man has not had coffee yet, so <laughs> we'll see how long he lasts. This might be a ten-minute podcast. Come southern, on, Ratif.
0: it's just well. The truth is supposed to be concise; <laughs> otherwise, you're just babbling. <laughs> <laughs> no
1: man, but thank you so much. It's really a joy. Um, so, Ratif and I have um, we've bumped into each other a few times over the years at various events, and I've had the joy to worship with him a few times. Such a humble man of God. Um, you know, I really appreciate that about you, that the same way you speak to a huge group of people in front of you is the way that you speak to me one-on-one. One. Hmm. Um, just massive heart after God, massive heart to kick, to um, encourage and to build up and to establish and to train and to equip. Um, massive heart after the Word of God. Hmm. Um, I was thinking about that. I really look up to you, literally and figuratively. <laughs> your yeah. teeth is really tall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm just really short.
0: No, you are. You are. You are standard. <laughs> I'm a non-standard <laughs> issue. You're
1: non-standard. <laughs> uh, yeah, but maybe you can just quickly. I know most people obviously yeah. know you for your music, um, but we were just chatting uh, mm. the fact that I guess nowadays. How much of your time goes into music and how much goes into pastoring Mm. and through every nation
0: church? Yeah, so thanks, James. I've got a passion, I think, simply to love Jesus. And I've always lived by this motto that ministry is born out of intimacy. Mm. And that's been kind of what I've been after. And uh, whether that ministry be music or pastoring or Mm. just loving your wife or fathering your kids... Uh, that it comes from that secret place and from intimacy with Him Mm. and being in the Word. So full-time, I'm actually leading a church in Pretoria, um, 20, uh, part of the Every Nation movement and love being part of church and part of spiritual family, being rooted. That's always been my thing. Um, um, It's been my saving grace being in local church, not just a touring artist and from one place to another never Getting known and being known. Yeah. um, That's been my safeguard. Um, So I I do minister um, through music every now and then. Let's say once a month I have time to travel and get to different churches uh, all across the country, either by myself or with my band. Uh, Sometimes I would join a local band um, to lead worship locally and minister and see what God wants to do in that area. Yeah. And then uh, apart from that, I'm a father of two awesome boys, still in an early phase, three, uh, phase three and a half years and 15 months. Yeah. So we don't Busy sleep for a lot. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's it's such a glorious change in your life when yeah. kids come. Yeah. And uh, we married late. Well, I married late, my wife as well. So um, they're going to keep me young. <laughs> so I love it. It's great. it's need I, to keep in shape.
1: <laughs> I always say when people ask how it's going with the kids, like, I, I know of no greater sanctification than children. Like,
0: <laughs> Bro, you're saying it. I, 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 I tell people, so when you get married, it's holiness 101. <laughs> and then yeah. when you get kids, it's holiness 10.1 <laughs> to whatever.
2: Oh, my word. fill in the gap.
0: Yeah, it sorts out all your issues.
1: <laughs> Any selfish. You thought, like, I dealt with my selfishness when I mm-hmm. got married. And then, yeah. No. Get kids. But absolutely it's joyful as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my first time I encountered you was with the Late Girl CD, the first one, hmm. which I think was
0: that your first CD? Yeah, well, technically, no. It was the okay. first Afrikaans one, the okay. first live worship album. But yeah. before that, I was part of a group uh, called Sia Yes. It was a ministry, uh, the Service Year for Christ and Ministry Through the Performing Arts. And we had two albums we recorded under a. The name of our band was called Anoetic. Wow. Anoetic, and that means that which cannot be conceived by the human mind. Wow. So, but it was all English, so I so, wrote in English, and okay. English worship songs. And at that point, Afrikaans worship songs wasn't cool. <laughs> uh, there were great bands in South Africa called like Eminent Child, Naked yeah. Lyric, yeah. Tree 63, of course. Uh, yeah. Those guys were just absolutely amazing. They, they were my heroes. Yeah. So They're those were the too. songs that we that we sang and we wrote. So those were my first albums, but then the first Afrikaans one was... Light kills.
1: So that was the first Afrikaans album I ever bought. And, <laughs>
0: and the <I> last. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, sure. no, I think I bought the next, uh, <laughs> your next one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I bought a few over the years. But I I come from KZN and like the mm-hmm. English mm-hmm. from KZN, the English people from KZN are more English than the English kind of thing. Yep. So it's true. like I was, I was deep in there. And then I came to Stellenbosch and I guess... Stenowash is quite an Afrikaans, well, at that Mm, stage especially, mm. it was quite an Afrikaans culture. Mm. Um, But I remember hearing this album and not necessarily understanding everything, but just like being so blown away by the hand of God that was on it. It was also definitely amongst the time of, you know, the United albums, the pink and the blue Mm. albums, and just a real, like God moving amongst the youth. Mm. Um, And... A new like freedom and worship, which was really awesome. But I, I wanted to ask you, like, what was it like back then for those like myself who who weren't there? Like, how did it get started, and what do you what did you see God do then? How did it grow?
0: So um, it was actually amazing because it was never planned. Okay. My whole music career was never planned. I actually shied away from it for quite some time, and I'll tell mm-hmm. you why. But um, I was uh, after I was in Sierkreis uh, for four years, that, that ministry, I went to Potch, started mm-hmm. to study theology, okay. joined a church there where I became the music director, Afrikaans um, Church. There was kind of uh, a, a renewing type of church. And uh, we started that August the 18th of 2002, we started a, a campus ministry called Pint, uh, the point of the cross. Yeah. And basically, up until that point, I think I wrote two Afrikaans songs. My first real Afrikaans one was um, on the first album, Al wat ek huh. that, begeer, that song yeah. and um, and suddenly now we had this church full of students mm-hmm. in Pocha Strum. It's very Afrikaans. Yeah. And we wanted to to put a student ministry out there that uh, was really relevant. So we redid some of the old hymns, the old mm. songs, one. And secondly, I just started to write songs for the church mm. that we tried with the students. It worked. They worshipped. Their theology shifted. Their worship culture started to shift. And I was Friends with Louis Brits before that, mm. th- through my Cirque years, where he was involved in some of the previous English albums we did, and then every now and then he would tour around the country, and I would play him some of my Afrikaans stuff, and he was like so excited about this. Oh. I didn't think it was great, but he thought <laughs> this is awesome. And one of them, I played Liu Funyuda, okay.
2: um,
0: and and he uh, he was like, "Bro, we need to record this," and I said, "No, no, no, I don't want to build a career for myself." I was so convicted. As a young man, uh, that God doesn't share his glory with anybody and mm. that the stage and music and blah, blah, blah is so dangerous. Mm. Um, and I kind of battered him for two years and said, I'm not going to record. No. <laughs> in the beginning of 2005, he just sent me an SMS. I remember it so well. He sent me an SMS. Says, Back I in the am days re- when we sent SMS. Yeah, we sent SMS, <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: old Nokia phones, (laughs) 3220 or something like that. I can't remember. But I remember getting the SMS and it read, I am recording you the 8th of May. Right. That was it. (laughs) Write your songs. So I was like, okay. So So he kind of pushed me over the hill and I'm still (laughs) thankful that he did that. That was really gorgeous and amazing. Yeah. So I'm really thankful for that. And then we recorded, and I said, "Great, let's record." But I'm not gonna to tour. I'm not gonna become this rock star, or whatever. That's mm. not my thing. I'm a local mm. church.
2: Yeah.
0: And he never recorded uh, before that. He was never a producer, mm. like meaning recording somebody else. Mm. And he started a small record label, and out of that thing, it just blew open. He was still overseas, and the people were calling back saying, "We need more stock in the, in this in the in the shops and the this." And he just absolutely blew off um, so yeah it was very unexpected, James. It was never planned, and I think maybe that's been the grace of it yeah, that it's uh, been the grace of God that did that
1: yeah how how do you handle, like you said that was you had a strong conviction before this all kind of mm. started um of you know not God doesn't share his glory with another like how how does that what does that look like now that you do spend a lot of time on stages, yes. and, and so like how, how's your so, understanding shifted around that?
0: So yeah, I, I think as a young man, I want to say two things. Um, that that on the one hand, um, I think my my conviction needed some molding, if I can say it like that. Uh, um, but still, there was a purity in what I really felt mm. that God takes me back to mm. now, fifteen years later. Mm that I long for um, and are reminded of every now and then that, hey, this is not about you, this is not about you. Now, the older you get, the more you know, well, it's not about you because you've (laughs) seen too much of you (laughs) and your mistakes and growing or being a parent and being a pastor and being a husband. You know that, hey, you're not supposed to be perfect and there's grace and it's okay and you can chill. But um, I say molding because I think – here and there, there were one or two things. There was a bit false humility as well, being mm. timid. Mm. And God had to tell me, I remember one day him whispering in my quiet time, not audibly, but in my heart, that humility and boldness are the sweetest of twins. Sure. Yeah, and that stuck to me yeah. uh, or stuck with me, um, that Jesus had both. He mm. had humility and boldness. Amen. But it was because he was busy with his father's business. Mm. And there was, uh, there was kind of my takeaway God says as long as you remain busy with my things and my glory I want you to be bold because it's not your story it's not your message it's mine and I want you to be bold so I'm always aware um, and that's why I love local church because in a local church people know you for who you are and in the church that I lead many of them don't even know that I'm a singer this is a multicultural church, and I'm Afrikaans, Ratif yeah. Barger. As Afrikaans, you can get. It's like James Pringle is as English as you can get. This is Scottish, a South- Scottish, yeah. Scottish, yeah. So, um, so for me, this has been awesome to to, to know that God has built in things in my life, and we yeah. can speak about my whole battle with depression as well. That was an 11-year stint that I had to wrestle through, yeah. and that humbled me. So if you ask... How do I stay um, or become humble or whatever? I'm like, I have no other option. (laughs) I'm just, I know by the grace of God I am what I am. Yeah. And um, it's a good place to be in when you know it's not about you. It's very freeing. Yeah. You don't strive. Mm. When you make mistakes, you can say sorry. Mm. And you can have grace on yourself as well.
1: Mm. Yeah. I find that with myself. I think I'm a bit of a control freak. You don't strike me as the control freak type. Well, just, I'm a
0: recovering perfectionist. Oh yeah,
1: mm. <laughs> and, and I think that's that's that, that's the challenge. Is like especially with striving, is because we we're trying to take control ourselves and we're trying mm. to um, maintain our own whatever um, standard or mm. reputation or whatever. And I just feel it's just so freeing, like you say, when we learn to let go of control. Absolutely. Um, but Tommy, so now it's been quite a few years of ministry hmm. full-time and i mean i'm assuming there's been lots of ups and downs hmm. um, and something i'm really interested in is is how people endure and how people stay faithful sure. like yeah. um because it is a race and it's it's not a sprint it's a marathon um, and how do we stay faithful until the end how do we still how do how do i get to how do I know mm. that in 20 years' time, 30 years' time, I'm still going to be loving Jesus and I'm still going to be serving yeah. His church yeah. faithfully? And mm. I don't know if you want to share anything or I'll, I'll, that you've learned along the way, like in spiritual endurance. Wow. It's
0: amazing. It was a theme that God spoke to me earlier this year about. He gave me a couple of scriptures on repetition, where there'd be the, uh, the hitting of, um, I think there was a, axe on the water or something like that, and and the, and the, the widow's um, oil mm. and repetition. God's speaking to me about repetition, repetition. I'm like, what is this all about? And God says, well, I, I need faithful people to keep repeating themselves. Because mm. in the long run, there's a thing like spiritual authority, which I believe in. When people yeah. walk in the gifts of the Spirit and they minister and things happen and it's the gifts of God yeah. ministering and flowing through people. But I do believe there's another authority that actually trumps that.
2: Mm.
0: And it's moral authority. Mm. Now, moral authority, it takes years to build it up.
2: Mm.
0: In one moment, you can lose it. And that, for me, scares me. And that brings the fear of God in my life. Mm. So um, moral authority is that people won't just follow you for a season but for a lifetime, Um, that they know whatever they get from you in 20 years is going to be the same, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to theology. and We have so much shifting theology in this world where people get these crazy things of, oh, there's a new thing now. Mm -hmm. Who are we to think that, oh, God will... Conceal everything for so many generations and just show it to me, the special person, for now. And then I change a the whole theology.
2: Yeah.
0: So, James, for me, it's, it's moral authority comes by being consistent, mm-hmm. living with integrity, being, let your yes be your yes, your no, your no. Your no. Mm-hmm. Those closest to you, what do they say about my ministry? Mm. And not about my ministry, about my life. Yeah. So for that, I believe teachability, humility are the key virtues that I need to keep cultivating yeah. and I cannot do that in isolation because I'm too deceived mm. if I isolate myself because mm. I can miss it. I have missed it. so those moments of of rebuke of correction from friends, from a wife, from leaders, from those under me mm. um, if I don't learn to embrace those moments in humility and teachability, somewhere along the line it will catch up on me and I'll lose my moral authority and I might not finish the race. Hmm. I'm surrounded by people who started 20 years ago when I started with ministry that's not serving Jesus anymore, never mind serving Him, they don't believe in Him anymore. Sure. It's scary. Yeah. So when I say these things, I say it in fear and trembling. Yeah. and Local church and discipleship and mentorship... Close relationships are part of my answer Yeah. because I cannot do it by myself. Yeah. I, I'm not an island. I've seen that for too many years. There was a time when I struggled. I'm going to give you one example with pornography for very long, mm-hmm. even in ministry. And my deepest breakthrough came when I came to a place where I realized, one, I will not be able to beat this by myself, mm-hmm. me and Jesus. we won't. I, I won't be able to beat it. Yeah. And secondly, I embraced my weakness, I embraced my failures and then I went to stronger, free men mm. who discipled and co- coached me and yeah. mentored me into that. And that principle of acknowledging your weaknesses and yeah. your shortcomings, man, that I marvel in that. And I started to understand 2 Corinthians 12 where Paul said, I'll boast in my weaknesses yeah. so that the power of Christ can, can rest on me.
2: Yeah.
0: So, I kind of boast in my weaknesses that's why I can speak freely about my struggle with porn, Amazing. that I had my depression yeah. that God freed me from my oversensitivity. I was called sensitive at some point <laughs> by my peers <laughs> and my friends <laughs> sensitive because I was oversensitive like a typical artist you are <laughs> um you are high wired um over, uh, take offense easily, yeah. blah 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 and um. God has really walked with me such a beautiful path of grace and time yeah. and truth.
1: Yeah. That's the beauty of the church when it functions as church. And mm-hmm. when, we're not a, when we don't feel we need to hide and put up faces Absolutely, and what we're not. Um, yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, Tommy, me, you've mentioned a few times now, you've obviously you've been on a lot of stages, you've done... This a lot. How do you not grow familiar with the presence of God? And and I mean, I can only imagine. I lead worship a lot, but I can only imagine, and maybe not right now in this point of your this season mm. of your life, but I can mm. only imagine how many times you've kind of stepped there to the mic and now this group of people in front of you. But how do you mm. how do you keep that that hunger and that mm. um vulnerability and that your heart keeping our hearts soft and not going into routine or into robot mode like what has been some
0: keys for you over the years so i think um one being in the word of god daily i mean um just being in his word and
1: can i ask what that looks like for you like what yeah your, so what?
0: so i've got different reading plans i just finished up a reading the Bible in a whole year now. So that was one of the stuff that I did. And then I take a book and study it, journal. um, um, Try and be in the physical Bible, not on the app. Yeah. (laughs) That really helps me to focus and paint and draw pictures and write out. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, that's one of the things. Listening to worship music myself. Um, worldwide worship music. Um, and I, you know what I sometimes do? I go back to the worship songs that shaped me when I was t- 20 years old. That's cool. 18. Yep. Delirious. Um, Michael W. Smith, Matt Redman. Those music that just in a moment took me into the present. So when I feel like I'm losing that connection, that intimacy, that just love for Jesus, yeah. I run back to that. Yeah. Um, practically... I have moments on stage when I lead where there's this one moment. I was a young man leading worship on a camp um, at Winkelspreit um, in Natal. That's where, actually where I got saved as well. And a couple of years later, I went to lead worship. Wow. And from von, von, von Judah, from, from Judah uh, just came out. I remember singing that song and I had a moment looking up and almost seeing Christ smiling over me. In yeah. that hall. And I go back to that picture a lot wow. when I lead in front of whatever crowd. When it gets too too distir- uh, distracting maybe or too many people or the moment is just too big. I just kind of close my eyes and remember there was an audience of one hmm. and go back to that moment. Yeah. Or in my mind, I go back to the first time I led worship with a band. I remember afterwards when I came off the stage, I closed the door of the dressing room and just f- fell on my face. I can't believe you just used me like this, Lord. I can't <laughs> believe what you just did now. So I do think that um, going back to moments like that is, uh, I love it. Um, but to keep it fresh is to also keep writing songs that that just pours out my own worship to Jesus. And, I, and so on the one hand, that, to keep writing songs that, Give a new language to my worship, to Him. And then I think the last thing, and and this is the biggest one, is to keep my salvation right in front of me, a.k.a. the gospel, Mm. to remember what I was saved from.
2: Yeah.
0: And I know Tim Keller and these guys who keep on saying that. uh, If the gospel, the revelation of the gospel doesn't keep on growing in your life, what you have been saved from... Mm so that you have something to worship about, you're missing the whole point. The gospel is not the ABCs in the Christian life. It's the A to Z. It's Mm. everything. Yeah. So for me, gospel, fresh gospel revelations Mm. keep me uh, tender, Mm. not just hungry for worship, but tender in those moments. Um, And sorry, then the last thing, because I'm, speaking from my heart now, is just the people in front of me that I'm leading in worship. Yeah. And I get to see many people who are broken and who come from traditional backgrounds where they've never worshipped in a way like this. Mm. And to see them being changed in front of my eyes, psh, that's it's amazing. Tumbling, hey? Yeah, it's humbling. Yeah. And it just inspires me to go deeper and yeah. to do it more.
1: And that I must say, what... Something I remember so vividly speaking about kind of the people in front of us, um, we once, there was an event we did a couple of years ago where we backed you up as a band. Um, and I remember we, we practiced a whole bunch of quite kind of youthy songs, you know, of I upbeat and, and so on. And then we went off to go pray and stuff and then we came back into the hall and suddenly like <laughs> – I would say probably 70% of the crowd had like gray hair. It was mm-hmm. amazing. It was just mm-hmm. like a sea of gray hair in front of us. And mm. um, while we're speaking about the crowd in front of us, like that is something I admire so much about you. It's just your ability to kind of engage the crowd. Yeah. And no matter what the demographics or, you know, how big they mm. are, or how big the crowd or how small the crowd. But um, maybe you can just share some, some thoughts around – for worship leaders specifically learning to engage with the crowd mm. because what, what was so amazing for me that night was we'd practiced these songs and we came out and you <laughs> immediately changed, changed everything, everything. <laughs> which was uh, great because I, and I'm, I guess, guess you've got to know that the band is going to be fine if you kind of just throw in new or songs you, or whatever. Or you just go acoustic. <laughs> <laughs> Just the voices. Just the voices. Um, Mm. But you just immediately slow things down, and Mm. you—you, I think you started with a hymn that we didn't practice, and Mm -hmm. immediately people were on board. Yes, uh, and then yeah. Yeah. But how do you how do you grow in sensitivity to this is what we're trusting the Holy Spirit to do? Yeah, and these are the people in front of us.
0: Yeah. So I think it's a great question. I'll start with where I messed up. So I came out of this youth group basically ministering to the youth. And now I'm suddenly in this congregation in Potch of mm-hmm. We have people from different ages, backgrounds, some from Dutch Reformed, Reformed, Re-Reformed churches, those coming from the AFM. See, it's such a mixture of people in front of us. And yeah. I remember uh, there was a season where every Monday when we got feedback about the Sunday service, there was a uh, critique coming. The one Sunday was all too... Um, Charismatic. (laughs) Then the next Sunday was all too old. And it was like (laughs) I was like ping-ponging between all of this. Um, I actually um, developed an ulcer because of that. Literally. Literally. I had to go to the hospital. But it was also triggered a bit this whole people-pleasing thing and insecurities as a young man. And I remember out of my frustration, I wrote a song. There was this kind of song that fit in this old crowd. And I remember Throwing that song away, and out of frustration, I wrote Liu von Uda. <laughs> that was so funny. No worries. I wrote it in 15 minutes. It's like, boom. Okay, here we go. Pfft. This is what I want to sing. I don't care what you want to sing. This is what I want to sing. But long story short, I had to learn to serve. Now, this can be mm-hmm. tough for worship leaders because you want to worship. Okay, well, worship and service are supposed to be the same. Yeah. But you're like, but I'm worshiping Jesus. I'm not worshiping people. <laughs> True. But you want to connect people to God and not be offensive or not mm-hmm. be a stumbling block. So mm-hmm. whatever is offensive or, let's say, a stumbling block, whether it be a false note somebody sings or just a drummer who can't play on beat, you want to remove anything that mm. distracts people from encountering God. hmm now, if it's a song that is just too difficult for them to sing, because, for instance, old people, phrasing for them is an the issue. They can't sing as fast as our generation that started with your song United. Don't mm-hmm. want to stand here and shout your praise. Don't walk away and forget your name. Old people like a name praise (laughs) that's all that they get and you're like well i'm not helping them to worship i'm becoming stumbling block and i had to repent of that and then when i started to change my way to go and get them where they are i could help grow them in worship Mm. especially in the country where many people do not understand a culture of worship and Mm. And also I had to break down a deep belief that I thought that certain songs alone can lead you into true worship. (laughs) Which is not true. Mm. You can sing the most anointed song and there's no true worship because the hearts are not in it. So I want to get people's hearts engaged. So I had to adapt a lot, especially in Afrikaans culture. I had to sing songs that I really don't like. (laughs) But I grew to like them because I saw people worship Jesus they connect with them in their way and then i start to slowly introduce them to new songs so for me worship leaders you're servants get Mm. to know the people in front of you get to be honoring to those in front of you and i always think who's the oldest who's standing in front of me because the young people can adapt Mm. it's the older people we need to honor Mm. i'm not saying be a people pleaser but i'm just be honoring yeah that for me is two different things yeah um, yes, <laughs> I learned the tough way, and if you don't love those that you're serving, here, you don't want to honor them. Yeah. But I need to love those I'm leading. Yeah, yeah.
1: It reminded me now of a few years ago. I was there was a certain service um, that it really felt just very dead, and you know, mm-hmm. like no engagement, nothing, and it just built up this frustration in me. Like I don't know if you've. It sounds like you've never had to, you've already yeah, doubled with right. <laughs> oh. But But like there would be times literally where I'd want to kind of just, okay, let's just stop the music. I'm just going to go take a bathroom break. And then like when I come back, like and those you who want to wanna stay still, here yeah, and worship, yeah, yeah. let's let be. <laughs> <laughs> and then your God brought such conviction that I, exactly what you're saying, I wasn't loving the people. Mm. Um, there wasn't a, there was a frustration with the congregation mm. and not a love and a, and immediately it becomes the separation in my heart between us as the worship team and mm. the congregation mm. when it's supposed to be one sound that we're Absolutely. lifting up. Um, God really had to bring change in my heart. And it started with praying for the congregation. And just like, like wow. the more you pray, the more you mm. have a heart. And then mm. God brought some shifts. Yeah, and,
0: and maybe just uh, one more thing. I think sometimes worship leaders try and do songs that's just too difficult. Mm. It's a song that was written and was played by professional musos. Yeah. Um, And sometimes your band just isn't good enough to be able to do that. But, man, you love the song. You feel the (laughs) anointing when you listen to it and you want to carry that over. And your heart might be right, but you're not wise.
2: Yeah.
0: I think we've shifted in our music also worldwide Mm. to sing very long, complicated songs Mm. that the the amount of words is just crazy, yeah. <laughs> so even in that I think sometimes as worship leaders we need a bit more wisdom yeah. to understand who's in front of us to serve them for the sake of them worshiping God
1: yeah Cornel Becker is this amazing speaker who comes to our Convergence conferences and and he said something which really blessed me because he gets to kind of he travels a lot and he gets around to the church. I want to say capital C, like he gets around the world, um, and he was—he's really encouraged with what he sees happening in Christian song- or in worship songwriting and that, and even returning to a even more ancient form of of songwriting, and you see that in kind of more hymn-like mm. songs coming out, and you know, a greater focus on the theology yes. that we're singing, uh, which is shaping our shaping our understanding of who God is. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned now the the false note and you know the drummer who can't keep time as distraction. And there's one question which has come up a few times over the years that I've I've struggled to articulate an answer to. So I'm going to throw it to you, which is um, I think we we kind of understand that that can distract in worship. But when it comes to excellent musicians, um, you know somebody who's really good at singing, somebody who's really mm-hmm. good at playing their instrument, how do they? play and sing in a way that directs attention to Jesus mm. and not to themselves mm. and I know you believe in excellence because yes, there's, yes, a, there's yes. a reason mm. you'll pick not only people with great hearts but people with good skill mm. to record on albums with you But
0: mm. so um, I think people who understand especially when they play with a band let's, let's start there I'm not mm. saying they're uh, doing a solo now. Mm-hmm. If they understand their place within the broader body, yeah. then they don't want to stand out because mm. they're blending. Mm. Um, and secure, well-gifted musicians love that approach anyway. Yeah. They're there to serve. They come rock up at a, a gig or a Sunday service or a rehearsal with an apron around them. Here to serve Um, It's those who are still looking for something in their gift Mm. Because they're actually insecure Mm. That try and shine Mm. Um, And of course your gift or your solo or your awesome voice won't give that to you Because it's false Mm. You only find your acceptance and your security in Christ and not in your gift Because otherwise you're not worth a lot Mm. Because there's always somebody with a better gift than you (laughs) So, I think security in Christ brings a non flashiness But yet, you can and you want to shine and you love being bold mm. and not intimidated by your gift. Because you're not doing uh, the world a favor to kind of shrink back. There was a mm. time in my life where I almost shrunk back because um, I knew I was... I was um, pushing some buttons around me. Um, I was triggering the insecurities of others and I felt like, well, let me just shush and shush and just hold back. But now like, that also is not God honoring because he gave this to me. If I know my motive is in the right place or as pure as possible, (laughs) um, man, I need to worship him with that. So if I do have a solo, it's just me, then I'm going to stand out. But it depends on how do I deflect and reflect the glory. Mm. And for me, it's not, oh, when somebody tells me it was good, I'm like, no, it was Jesus. (laughs) No, it wasn't that good. (laughs) No, it's just, thank you. I I honor Him for my gift and I love serving Him with my gift. Mm. Um, It's more in your quiet time when nobody's looking, when you Mm. give all the honor and the praise back to Him. Yeah. All the recognition. Otherwise, it's sometimes just false humility. Yeah. So don't shrink back.
2: Mm.
0: On the one hand, but don't go looking for something, because mm. that's just a sign of insecurity. Yeah. And <laughs> just find it in Christ. Yeah. And then you can worship and minister in excellence and in gifting, and you can be unashamed about it. Yeah.
1: I oh, mean, yeah. The thing I'm, I'm realizing just more and more uh, is that it really it's. It's easy, you know, kind of air quotes, to to lead worship for half an hour, but it's it's the rest of our lives that are we leading worship.
2: Absolutely.
1: Um, and like you mentioned earlier, when no one's watching, or with the people who know you the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. And family makes <laughs> brings out shows you all your weaknesses. Exactly. And
0: so so, and I think that's the thing is that. If if you know that you cannot live separated lives, that your moral authority mm. spills over in your spiritual authority when you mm. lead worship mm. or when you sing or when you drum, yeah. it counts. You cannot have two lives. Mm. God is not fooled. Yeah. That's Isaiah 29, 13 mm. that Jesus also quotes at some point where he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. I need to check my life constantly. You can fool many people, but you cannot fool God. And Mm. praise God, you cannot fool your wife or your (laughs) husband because they see the real you and your children. That's why those things we need to embrace. We need to listen when they tell us, hey, you're being a hypocrite now. How can you do this and this and this on your way to church Mm. or speak to me like that? Mm. And I I have moments, I have so many moments weekly of repenting and that's the grace of the beauty of the gospel Amen. that's why i say if you keep the gospel in front of you you yeah. will keep on growing constantly yeah because you know that you are i'm a sinner well i know i'm a saint as well that mm. i know as well the gospel mm. changed me i'm safe but i'm a sinner saved by grace and, yeah. and if it wasn't for the grace of jesus and the saving work on the cross then i'm i'm a I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good father. I'm not a good pastor yeah. or worship leader. I need Jesus yeah. every day of my life. No. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so. so, I mean, thanks. Start preaching now. <laughs> <laughs> you can do an article. I'll, rep- Whoa, I'll respond. To myself. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay, I've got one more question, which is, we didn't really get into songwriting so much, um, but mm. I just want to thank you for your songwriting, which has meant I so much sense. to me personally, but for... I mean, around this nation, and we've even done an event in Namibia together. And mm. it's just so amazing mm. seeing people there singing these songs. And uh, But thank you uh, for your faithfulness in writing God-honoring word-based songs. Oh, thanks, uh, it encourages a songwriter yeah. like myself so much. Mm. Um, so songwriting is such a huge topic. We could speak about everything, but I thought I'll just narrow it down to mm. one question, which is I think Brian Dirksen mentioned um, that... He he likes to write for the gap, so he likes to see where where there's a gap in whether it's his local church or in you know his nation's worship, uh, where he feels there's a gap in this theme or in this style yeah. of song or something, and writing for that. And I don't know, maybe you can. What do you think of some gaps that you would encourage songwriters to write into, um, whether it's like theme wise or whether it's types of songs or. Uh, where do you feel there's a need for us? If mm. if you're to say, uh, come on, let's write an album. Wh- what what kind of themes do you think you would be writing around?
0: Well, I was just finishing. while well, I'm busy finishing an album that was all about victory. Mm. And um, interestingly enough, it wasn't inspired by the, the Bethel album "Victory" or the Springboks or, winning or the <laughs> Springboks world. <laughs> um, Very prophetic album. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but it was. Um, It was really, a just felt God ordaining me in that direction or directing me. So Mm. uh, especially in the Afrikaans communities, Afrikaans people haven't heard a lot of songs about victory, especially the resurrection and Mm. your identity in Christ on the other side of the cross and on the other side of the empty grave. So that's one area that I wrote in. It wasn't intentionally to fill a gap. It was just Mm. the response of my heart and I Mm. wanted to write that. I do think um, there's a gap, if you want to say it like that, for the father songs, mm. songs about the father. Mm. I remember as a young man there was an album by Brian Dirksen, Father's House, mm. that changed my life. Sure. And we haven't had that in the worldwide movement for a very long time. Mm. Um, I think that, think that would be, be one, one, one area and, and I think since truth is under scrutiny mm. and has become so relative in a postmodern era, yeah. I think absolute truth and the truth and the love of truth mm. needs to be written about a lot more, Amen. the word of God, yeah. the truth of God. Mm. Um, so I love hymnal, very scriptural um, almost expository songs Yes. that makes you think mm. and that forms your theology. Mm. And it's not just a fuzzy, warm feeling. Mm. Now, I grew up in the area where you had the who, who wrote, I could sing of your love forever. Did you feel the mountains tremble? Obsession, mm. my heart burns for you. Mm. So they took the the same concepts and put more emotional words to it. And that mm. that influenced my songwriting mm. massively.
2: Because
0: mm. I think before that you had many church songs that was almost non emotional. Mm. You couldn't really connect with it always. Mm. But I do feel that the pendulum has shifted so much to more emotional writing and just yes. experience writing. There's not rooted in scripture anymore. Mm. So I fight for scripture and rootedness mm. in the word of God. Mm. Mm. And I think if you want to say there's a gap, and uh, like uh, Mr. Backer said there, it's, it's turning back to that again, and I mm. honor mm. God for that. I know in our own church movement, Every Nation, there's been a call about four or five years ago to do that in our songwriting circles. Mm. And one of the best things that we do and that I try and do is write with other people, Yeah, four or five writers. Again, um, you won't. We're all Jesus lovers rooted in the Word and some yeah. good theologians around the table. I don't think you'll mess up too much lyrically, <laughs> theologically wise when you have all those checks and balances. Yeah. And it's a safeguard. It's yeah. good. So.
1: What does that look like? Do you come arrive with a blank canvas or do you come with ideas?
0: Well, um, it, it might be like, okay, guys, we're going to write about, let's give us topics. We're going to write about amazing grace. Okay. Mm. Go and study, go and pray, get scriptures. And if you mm. have ideas, come with that. Mm. Or it's like, okay, we're going on a writing retreat or evening together and we just sit and we're like, okay, Lord, what do you want us to write about? Mm-hmm. Now, that takes a bit more time mm. because how does everybody know his voice immediately together in unity? Yeah. So I'd rather then put a topic on the table yeah, and then we'll go for it or somebody else will. Or we've got a sermon series coming up and mm. – So there's a bit of a framework and then you just gun for it, you go for it. And it's always scary Mm. because the moment you start writing together, Mm. there's a new humility factor. Mm. There's a new teachability factor that sets in. Mm. And Some people I write better with, others I don't. Mm. It's a chemistry as well. Yeah. But it's amazing when it Mm. works.
1: Matif, thank you so much for chatting to me. Thanks, bro. I honor you (laughs) and I'm just so thankful for you and thank you. No, yeah, just for your encouragement over the years. And mm. like, honestly, every time I spend time with you, I'm just, you You stir such a hunger for, for Jesus and for, mm. yeah. I'm just thankful, thankful for your humility and for who you are. And yeah, bless Thanks, you. Brother. Love you lots, man.
0: Can I return also the thank you? Uh, I've been listening, even preparing some of the show for songs and listen to one of your songs again today. And I always check who wrote this and just your fingerprint on such deep theological, Christ-centered, God-honoring um, lyrics. There was one song about the, with the wrath of God, <laughs> that tough concept. that. But you just wrote it in so brilliantly. And thank you for Shofar and the music you guys are putting out there for the church world. And it's so Christ-exalting. <laughs> thank you for that. So you also just keep on doing and <laughs> Let's just... Uh, Add our, and I was, I read this last night actually in Revelations twenty twenty one about that stream yeah. of worship that's flowing before the throne of God. Mm. There's that, it's the praise of the nations yeah. and the people. And I yeah. always see us just taking our cup of water and just yeah. pouring it in <laughs> to that massive, non ending yeah. gush sure. of yeah. the sound of rushing waters. Mm-hmm. And may we just be faithful in our generation to add our voice okay. to that song of worship. Amen.
1: Awesome. Bless you. I look forward to the next time. Amen. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. Thanks, man. Cheers. Thanks for listening today and catch you again next time. Thank you for joining the Spirit Truth Podcast. Check out chauffeurband.com for music and resources. You can also subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media.